State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Yeah, I come from the school of Tupac. I'm a robber. You don't want to what? Man, me. me. Tell them not to ever see, bro. Hold up. Taz, I want to ask you a question real quick. Let's just keep it real straight shot with no chaser. I'm going to get a little bit rough. I'm here for those who really believe in the American process. All of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl, Tesla Figaro, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, straight shooters? This is Tesla Figaro. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Straight Shot No Chaser. Today is very important because we have an opportunity to sit down with two ladies I have had an opportunity to know over the last year. When I met them, it was like day one, we became family. You have seen them all over the TV, not just these two ladies, but also their family due to the tragic and unfortunate death of George Floyd. He certainly was more than just a name and a hashtag to these young ladies. They were actually his cousin. And let me not say young ladies. These are full-grown women, by the way. But certainly more to them than just a cousin, just a hashtag, just someone in the news about social justice, but a family member, more like a brother, a sibling, someone they grew up with. And over the last year, you've heard a lot of conversation from the family, you know, on what it meant to lose George as a person. You've also had an opportunity to watch them as they went through the trial, which we now know uh, was a successful conviction. And the ups and downs that they have experienced over the last year, uh, I really can't even put into words. 
most occasions you see them on TV, five to seven minutes, and we're asking questions and they're answering questions and we kind of move on to the next topic. But today I wanted you to have an opportunity just to know who they are on a personal level and why they started the George Floyd Foundation. So welcome my guests, co-founders of the George Floyd Foundation, Sarita Tate and Tara Brown, my sisters. Good hello, ladies. Hello, Tara. Well, you cannot see them because obviously it is a podcast, but I'm looking at Tara who is always smiling <laughs> and we tease her about that all the time. She's just grinning, grinning, grinning. If, if, we, if we go out somewhere, everybody makes a beeline right to Tara because she has the most engaging smile. <laughs> and that is what I remember walking into, walking into Sarita's house. This was, I guess, just a couple of days um, after everything happened. And the first thing I thought was saw was Tara smile. And and the second thing was smelling the food because these ladies can get down on cooking for real, for real. I told them I'm not getting ready to play games with them game and wait <laughs> playing with these women because they cook for real. So despite and I, I'm saying that to paint the picture that when you walk in and you smell the soul food and we know that soul, you know, soul food takes care of the soul, the aroma, the smell, the the loving embrace, the smile. I just immediately hugged them because not just because of the loss, but you could truly feel the family connection. And I started calling them cousins because I was like, it's truly like meeting a cousin, you know, that you just never met. And I just want to say before we get into this, that I have watched these ladies endure so much. And I'm not just talking about just the case, because this is important to say. What a lot of people don't know is when you're working with families, there's a lot that goes on with families outside of just the case. So when the case happens and now you have to grieve in public and have cameras in your face in public and remain dignified and mature and keeping the main thing, the main thing. I have learned so much from these two women and I want to give them their flowers because I've worked with a lot of family members and I tell them this all the time. I have learned so much from these two women on really being up to the task uh, to keep the main thing, the main thing. So I, I want to say that first off. Meeting Sarita and Tara, you know, with coming in and saying, you know, we want to fight for justice. One of the first things that we talked about was how do how do we make. I don't want to use say count because, no, we, we certainly shouldn't have lost George, but it was always their concern to make sure that it's not in vain, that we get something out of this, that there's more to just saying, you know we lost him and we got a conviction and, you know, how do we move forward? So from day one, and a, and a lot of folks don't know this day one, it was really a concern of you two to make it mean something worthwhile that you can be proud of. So I want to ask you, Tara, and then Sarita, and we're going to talk about George and your relationship with him. But I, this part is so impactful because the media doesn't really spend a lot of time talking about the foundation. And I wanted to do that, you know, today. Why was it, Tara, that you felt the need or the urgency to do something? Is it because you were in a place of, I think most people feel defenseless. They feel, you know, I, I can't do anything. I can't bring the person back. I can't make the trial go any faster. I can't be the jury. I can't be the judge. So a lot of times all a family does have is what can we do so that I can find at least a, a better way to agree to know that it matters. Can you speak on that a little bit, Tara, and why doing this type of work in the foundation was important to you? Absolutely. It was important to me because you you, you kind of touched on it. 
I mean, it's a, it's very overwhelming uh, to have something like this happen. And, and nobody on earth could have predicted that um, the, you know, the movement that, that was sparked because of the way that, that George was, was killed would, would happen the way that it did. I had no clue. I just knew that we had to do something. And I knew it was time for things to change. Something has to change because it was happening too often and it's still happening, um, which is why it's so important for us to have started this foundation in his name. And this is one way to honor him for sure. Other than that, it is a way for us to build a legacy. Um, hopefully we can, you know, we're going to be in a position where we can be a catalyst for the change. We'll be working directly with the folks to change legislation, to pass the bills that will, you know, change uh, the way police are handling police brutality. We, we want to change those things. And so this definitely gives us a platform. The other reason is we want to help people. We want to be able to change lives. And if we can provide opportunities and resources for people who are much like him or have the kind of background or upbringing that he had, then that's going to make all the difference in the world for us. It's all about the legacy now. You said something there that I want people to know about you guys from a personal level. You said we want to help people. And I want to know, I want people to know what that means. Um, as I got a chance to know you guys, you know, Sarita, Terry, you talked a lot about how your family was, you know, there for George and growing up like siblings. And you talk a lot about Miss Sissy and always having a meal for somebody. And just when I'm around your family, your parents, you know, we've had this conversation. In fact, I think I got kind of emotional the other day when we were on the phone because I told Sarita that I wanted you to tell your parents how important just them saying, Teslin, thanks for what you do, because I don't have parents and you guys are still. So for those who don't know, if I didn't say it again, you're both sisters and I don't have parents, certainly not a mother and a dad, you know, at the same time that are still together and supportive, you know, of what you're doing. You know, for those who don't know, your your mom uh, is the secretary for the foundation. You know, your dad is always around. It's not a time you don't go. This is truly like the movie Soul Food. You mm -hmm. know, you go over and the whole family's there <laughs> several generations. And that's such a blessing. And it has been, um, it, it it has touched me in a way that I haven't had. And, and so, Sarita, speak to a little bit about when Tara says we want to help people. Let the people know, like, what that really means for your family, that this is not just something you started you know, doing yesterday when it comes when it comes down to, you know, taking care uh, of your community. How how is it that your family did that when they when they barely had even enough to take care of themselves? What did that mean uh, in CUNY homes? Well, I think it goes even further back than my aunt. It really started with my grandmother and just really uh, establishing uh, the one thing that we always had plenty, uh, plenty of was love to give uh, for anybody who needed it. And also uh, we made uh, beans and rice and whatever we had stretch out. And let me tell you, uh, it's no small feat to have just uh, rice and gravy to be the only thing. And you make you, make you feel like that you have uh, a piece of pork chop or a piece of steak there too. But I, that's something that our grandmother taught us how to do with very minim, minimal. You'd be able to have a meal and that is to do like, a, you know, you have the bread, you can make a biscuit and you can do a gravy with some rice and beans and you're good to go. So for us, it comes from a place of understanding that basically that we were all placed here to be of service to other people. Um, and maybe my grandmother didn't articulate it that way, uh, 
but we certainly understood from early on that, you know, you never uh, turn away somebody who is hungry or someone who needs a, a place to lay. And so uh, that started with my grandmother and it, and it was carried on with all of her children to include Perry's mother and my mother. So in the CUNY homes, uh, even though they grew up in a small rural area, uh, she transferred that right into the heart of the inner city. And so people knew Miss Sissy was a place that you could always go to and get something to eat. And if you needed to lay down, uh, get a, a nice place to rest or whatever, she was always willing to give that of you. And it wasn't a big place. It was very small. But if you could find a spot in there to lay down, people knew that they could come in there. And that's just the kind of, of, of person that she was. That's how my mother is. And that is the crux of why our family is that way. And so to help people, uh, whether it is, you know, to give them a ride or give them, uh, you know, some change to catch the bus, whatever it is that we could do to be able to help somebody, that's the way we're raised to do it. And um, it's something that we've carried on as well. So um, I always think about the possibility that it could always, it could be you. And so my thought process is as I'm helping other people is that my prayer is that it never comes to a place that I will need that. But if it does, hopefully someone will remember that um, we were people who are willing to help them also. And and I just I wanted to uh, say that because. You know, I and th- this is, you know, I'm not saying this to shade anybody in my family, but because I love my family, you know, everybody does what they do. But. You guys, when when I meet somebody for the first time who don't know me from Adam and is concerned that I got something to eat or my child, you know, if you, I just want you to know that meant that means something. It touches me in a in a real deep way. I don't want to get emotional because, you know, I, I'm supposed to be hard on TV, so I can't get emotional. People can't know that, I, that I'm a soft. But I, I just want you to know, you know, how much you've impacted me, you know, in doing this work. You know, they talk about the movie, just going back to the old movie Soul Food. And, you know, we we talk about how it's, it's more than just feeding somebody. You know, it, it is really a, a symbolic gesture. I've even told you ladies that you need to open up a restaurant, you know, because it's not just the food. It's the love that comes with the food. And, you know, I'm not trying to spend a lot of time on that, but I because somebody is, well, it's just food. What's the big deal? But it's a big deal. You know, when when someone prepares something for you, it, it's a sacrifice. You know, in some cultures, I mean, it really, and I would even say in the black culture, but it truly is a tradition of showing love and and humble and humility to prepare a meal for somebody. You know, anybody can go out and buy a meal, but it's different. You know, when you prepare a meal and and lay it out the way you ladies do, even though Tara be late, <laughs> I'll bring it. <laughs> She still eventually, show, you know, brings us and it's up. Gonna be but it's not. A, <laughs> it's gonna be real good. But it's not a time I haven't been to your house, even if it's for me. And you got something, you know. It's get get you a chicken wing or uh, cheese or something, Kool Aid for sure. I mean, it's always you make sure <laughs> that no matter what, that I'm fed. And and ladies, you just don't know. I'm telling you. You really don't know how impactful that can be to somebody. So I want to uh, thank you for that. Encourage, just let you know, I just want to thank you for that. And I, I want you to know that you have encouraged me in a way that no family has ever had before. Because last year was challenging. And it's not just because of George Floyd. 
is because of a lot of stuff that went on last year, you know, pandemic and you out here and you're fighting and you want to know why, you know, why are you fighting? You fight your own. You know, I just did a live this morning where I'm trying to explain, you know, all the different sides of, you know, the Makai Bryant situation because I can see people attacking our activists. Um, you try to bring logic, you know, so that we can know how to move forward. Um, you have to deal with all of the triggers in your life that reminds you of pain. Um, you have to fight white supremacy. And it's so many of those things that happen. And a lot of times from my standpoint, we don't get uh, recharged or refilled. And I guess that's why I'm spending so much time harping on the meals more than just, you know, the pork chops is really somebody saying, you know, I, I want to make sure you're good, that you're, you're, you're filled. Have you ate, you know, have your baby ate? Do you want to bring home a plate? Hey, you welcome to come over. You know, we cooking. That just means something y'all to me. Because it takes a lot to stay in this. And it's not always somebody patting you on the back, you know, saying, keep doing it, keep going, keep going. They just assume that you're strong enough. I, I haven't got so many calls in the last, since this trial, in my entire career of people calling saying, damn, how do you do this? Mm -hmm. How do you do this? Because with them, it was just turning off the TV. Mm -hmm. And they certainly don't know from your standpoint of the actual grieving. Right. But people that, that I talk to every day say, how do you do this? And I'm like, are you just now paying attention to what, like, this is all the time, back to back to back to back trauma. And you don't get refilled a lot. And you ladies have done that. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial, 
Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. When we talk about the trial and all of the things that you had to manage, Sarita, you have really shown me what a woman of faith is about. And I'm not just talking about just, you know, got faith because I got faith too, but I'm a little bit, the Lord working on me in a whole lot of areas. (laughs) The Lord is working on, the Lord working on terror too. But, but Sarita, when I tell you this is a woman that keeps the main thing, the main thing, and is unbothered, I've never seen nothing like that. How do you, for one, you got to keep up with baby sister, yeah. even though she a full-grown woman. So, and full-grown married woman, you got to keep up with baby sister. How, tell me about the rock that you stand on, Sarita. Well, you know, Tez, to be quite honest, and I know I, I say this a lot and it's the truth, I have learned over the years because I've had this is a tragedy but I've had a few of them and the the one constant thing in my life has been you know God and my faith has been able to support me through all of it and so I learned probably from the very first one that's who I can lean on in those difficult times and you know a lot of times people will say that and it becomes like a cliche but as my grandmother used to say I tried him for myself and when I did that, it, it made all the difference in the world. It, it allows me to be able to go to a place and to, uh, you know, be relaxed and refuel and be able to get back on the horse again whenever I fall off. Because trust me, there are times when it gets very challenging, but it's my relationship with Christ that helps me to be able to just keep going because he has shown me time and time again that when I place my trust in him, that he will never fail me. And so... That's what I have to do. And I have to do it not just for myself. I have to do it for my family members and and other people around me because I know that they're struggling with it. And it's because um, he has delivered for me so many different times. I know that he doesn't just do it for me. So that's that's really what it is. I mean, I have just seen it and I've tried it. And it's the only thing that's consistently worked because I have a strong support system. Like my mom and dad are always there or whatever, but they have their own struggles, too. And so he is greater than all of us and he can handle my struggles and their struggles and everybody else's struggles at the same time. So it, it's my faith that keeps me going. It's my relationship with him. And if it requires me to go off into my own quiet space, which I often have to do when people don't even know that I've gone off and just kind of just me and him to say, Lord, I got to I got to do this. 
I have to stay strong and I have to stay focused because not everybody can be remain laser focused, especially with all the noise that's going on around you and all the distractions that try to take you away from what the main thing is. And so when I when I feel like I'm getting to that place, I dip off, try a little Jesus and come back. <laughs> I try a little wine and then I come back. But <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that because, you know, there's been so many interviews about George and I, you know, I'm not trying to take away from that. But I think it's important that people know who you guys are as people. You've done, I think, on last week, at least 30 plus interviews and all of them are about George. And, and that is important. But I, I want people to know. I wanted to take this time so that they know who you guys were who is carrying on his legacy, the people that you are, and also to give people flowers while they're living. You know, we just watched DMX service and Swiss Beat stood up and said, give people their flowers while they're alive. Don't wait till somebody move on, you know, and, and go on to give their flowers. And and, and that's why I'm, I'm really trying to get down to that people know um, who you are. And and I wanted to say that again, Sarita, I have, uh, you have really challenged me in ways, you know, to make sure as professional as I think I am, as, Together as I think I am, I, I have certainly learned um, from you in that way. Thank you for saying that. I have. You are truly a rock. With that said, let's talk a little bit about the trial and our remaining time on what that was like hearing that victory. Or do you do you think it was a victory? We know we have more work to do, but just for a moment in celebrating that victory, what did that mean? to you? I, I absolutely think it is a victory. You know, I believe in celebrating victories big and small. Uh, and in the big scheme of things, you know, it, it for me, it wasn't just about George. Like, it, it, you know, it, this trial was certainly uh, about Derek Chauvin and, and him and him murdering George. But I saw it as something that was like, uh, it was a victory for everybody else who had gone before and and uh on the other side we just end up with the if the cops just didn't get didn't get charged or they weren't convicted or if they did they got a slap on the wrist or whatever the case may be to for me it was so significant because it was almost like validating what everybody else was saying all along is that you know now people can actually see us they see what we're contending with um is as Easy as it should have been for everybody to be able to see what happened to George, there, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that we would get a conviction. It's very difficult to get 12 people to do anything, much less for all of them to agree on, you know, without having any reasonable doubt. Um, I certainly felt like it was a victory and I, and I celebrated as I was watching it. Um, and I don't know, somebody somewhere probably has this on, on footage, uh, at, uh, because I wasn't even focused in on what was going on around me. But I remember when I heard the first conviction and the tears started to roll. By the time the third one came along, I was a mess. I was a mess. My daughter was a mess. I think everybody was. We were just kind of all crying. And it really was a release because I think I shared with somebody, I didn't even realize the weight that was, was that I was carrying until after that. Because suddenly it was just like I was able to release and I felt lighter afterwards. So I certainly felt like, you know, we're going to celebrate this win, but we're not going to get stuck there because, you know, uh, oftentimes, you know, people will become complacent after, you know, you, you get this one. Well, number one, we have three other murderers that need to be convicted. And then this, this movement is something that I think is important for us to take advantage of. Right now, the momentum is good 
for I think people are listening. You know, eyes are open. Uh, the world is, um, you know, focused in on what happens next. And I believe that there are people who um, have certainly demonstrated that they have an interest in helping at this point. And so it would be uh, it would be sad if we didn't uh, capitalize on the fact that there are people who see us and who are interested in seeing the social justice movement move forward. So I'm excited about what lies ahead. I know it's a lot of hard work, but I think this gives us, you know, sort of a, a, a little joke if you will, a little bit of energy to keep going forward, you know, like, so that's why I think it's important to celebrate this win, but then we got to stay focused on the big picture and know that there's still a lot left to be done. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Terry, you know, we're all women of faith, but there's always a time where you ask the Lord, why me? You know, why, why did you choose my family? Why? It could have happened to any family. When you ask yourself that question, because I'm sure you did, but all of the things that come with this, this is what people don't understand. A, a documentary is coming out later this year of uh, Attorney Crump showing not just this family, but all of the things that he does. People have no idea 
um, behind the scenes, the pressure, the ugly things that you hear um, from the public, the messages, all of those negative messages over and over and over. When you ask God that question, Tara, what did he say? Did he answer you? Um, I'm, I'm going to say you're absolutely right. I did ask myself that a few times. Um, and I had to remind myself that, you know, God gives his toughest battles to his, his toughest soldiers. And so I had to tell myself, why not me? Why not me? Um, you know, and I have my moments where I feel weak, but I understand that he doesn't make mistakes. So I realized once, once we were placed in this position, we had to move, like we had to do what it takes. And so, yeah, we had difficult times, but he definitely answered me. And, and that was my, that was my answer. That was my answer. What was the verdict like for you, Tara? The verdict was for me, there was so much buildup and it's kind of like Sharita described we were carrying around this burden that we didn't even know we had because when I got the phone call from Ben saying that the verdict was in, I literally started shaking. And I had a feeling that we were going to get the conviction, but, you know, having to trust the system that we have seen fail us time and time again, I was nervous. I was very nervous about it. And so um, after hearing the first, you know, um, first guilty on the first account, um, yeah, I did have tears, but it was kind of like by the time we reached the third one, the floodgates opened up and I thought they were never going to close. Um, but it was definitely it was it was a feeling like I've never had before in my life. And I will tell you, it felt so good. But um I, I agree with Sharita, you know, we enjoyed that moment, but I knew immediately that, that, you know, this is not it. Like we can celebrate this right now, be in this moment, but there's work to be done. So yeah, it, it was, it was, it was definitely um, a good feeling. At least it gave us the sense that, you know, what we already knew is that somebody needed to be held accountable and those jurors got it. They got it. So that was a good feeling. If the other officers, Let's say they don't get convicted, you know, for aiding and abetting and, and, and they get away with that. I think there's a strong possibility that they will because, you know, obviously he was co convicted. And so if you're if you're saying he was convicted of a felony of murder and somebody else was aiding and abetting, he was already been convicted of murder. So it's pretty much said that it was a murder. But each case is different. How the, the prosecutor presents that case is different. If it does not go in our favor and we want to think positive, but if it does not go in our favor, do you think? Um, Sarita, it would take away from the justice we received, or do you really look at it as you know the the the, the weight of this was on Derek Chauvin? So no matter what, you know we've accomplished something. But how how much are you uh, depending on those other you know three officers to to also be convicted? Well, I, I'm not uh, really depending on it. I think you kind of said it, uh, stated it well. Uh, I certainly feel like that Derek Chauvin. Uh, conviction was the one that we really wanted to see happen. I think the judge probably viewed it the same way, which is why uh, Chauvin was tried separate from the other three. Um, uh, and I and I still uh, have a strong belief that they will probably end up with a conviction. But for me, it really isn't going to change anything uh, in terms of uh, my commitment to doing the work and to trying to make sure that we see uh, true uh, change 
it, it won't change that for me. Of course, we would like to see everybody convicted, but at the same time, I think the major one was uh, Derek Chauvin. And so for me, I, I won't say that, you know, I'll be happy with the other people getting off, uh, but I can say that at least this is something that will still give me uh, enough energy to say we can we can still move forward and, and continue the fight. You know, Tara, a lot of people say, oh, you know, George would be happy now. He will see the justice is done. And, you know, I'm always quick to say George want to be alive. You know, let's first get I'm sure George would want to see it be alive. I'm sure he would want to walk his daughter Gianna down the aisle. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, that would be something that he would want. But through the grieving process, you you have to tell yourself, you know, that your loved one, I don't want to say tell you, you have to believe, you know, that your loved one is is at rest and at peace. Do you believe that now that this conviction has happened, that his soul can rest? Or do you think it was resting before this? Because we, we as women of faith, we know that to be absent with the body is what? Be, be present, present with the with Lord. The Lord. <laughs> that's it yeah. so it was never depending upon a com on a conviction or not but do you think you know at least for his spirit or you know or, or just knowing okay because we got him you know it, do, do you do you feel that energy as well yeah i definitely feel like he can rest now knowing him you know the way that i did after he lost his mom he really uh struggled a lot with, with, you know, just being okay, you know, because he was, you know, very much attached to his mother the same way we are to our mother. You know, we, we have that connection. And so for him, it was the kind of loss that I, I don't think he was ever fully going to recover from. So he, he was struggling with that. And, and probably among other things, he, he was trying to accomplish, you know, and he struggled with that. So I know that being alive is what we all want. Selfishly, I know that I would prefer to have him here, but I do understand, you know, again, that, you know, being our faith have will have us to believe that, you know, this was not a mistake. So he's where he needs to be. And I'm sure that he's somewhere wrapped in his mother's arms. And so if he could be proud, I, I know that, I know that he would be, I know that he would be happy with, with the outcome. And, and just to clarify that, because everybody who's listening may not be a believer. So I want to clarify that when she says not a mistake, we're not saying that Chauvin did not make a mistake, that he did, did not commit murder, that he should not be held liable. What we're speaking to, because I, I always, I don't ever want people to assume that they know when we're coming from faith, you know, what they're talking about, because everybody has different faiths. So when Tara's saying not a mistake, it's saying that we trust God in all things, um, even the things that hurt us. Oh, yeah, because they're, you know, they like to twist. They like to twist it. And it's just because we all have different faiths, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't want to assume, um, you know, that my listeners understand, you know, what you meant when you said that. So before we get out of here, tell us something about George. We know he loved the ladies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So tell us. something, <laughs> And they loved him back. And they loved him back. Because he was so tall and a big man. All the men in your family are that way. Tall, big guys. Tell us something about George, uh, Sarita, that you can recall before we get out of here. Well, this is probably something, I don't know, that nobody, probably with only the folks who knew him really, really close, that he was a nail biter. Uh, <laughs> this, it used to, I don't know how he could do it. 
and not like actually draw blood from him. I mean, I, it was amazing to me to watch him. It was something that really I uh, was, uh, uh, it really got on my nerves to see him doing it, but, <laughs> but <laughs> he was a nail biter. But beyond, beyond that, and a lot of people, he was somebody who just really liked to have fun. Like he had, it's a playful spirit, like to dance around and just kind of, you know, uh, just a playful, joyful person to be around. Uh, you know, kind of like you always talk about Tara entering the room and she she's smiling. You know, he was the mm-hmm. same way. He was he mm-hmm. always had a smile on his face. And for the ladies in the family, especially, we knew we was going to get a pinch on the cheeks and a big bear hug. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I will miss. I knew no matter how long of a time span it was between when I saw him, I knew that I could count on getting uh one or both of those things whenever i saw him and so i definitely will miss that terry anything you want to say before we close (laughs) um i we just have so many you know childhood memories and and you know she she said it best he was he was full of life he was just that person that you know would do anything to make you smile and um you know, one of my favorite memories of when we were growing up in the, in the third ward area is his mom would make beanie weenies. You know, for people who don't know what that is, that's the pork and beans in the can. Well, she would always add like the hot dogs and, and brown sugar to it, you know, with love. And and oh, you remember that, Street? <laughs> so he would always be excited about when we had that. So he would run and come get me, you know, come on, we can be the winners today. <laughs> so I just, that was just popped in my head just now when you was asking about memories of him. That was one of my favorite memories. You know, I still mm-hmm. make Back that, right? to the food. <laughs> Oh, you do? Okay, you got to hope. But I, I, ain't nothing like some beanie weenie. Come back to the food yeah. with the floors, y'all. I'm telling you, no matter what. <laughs> it always do. It always it starts and ends with the yep. food. This is one soulful family. My main goal of this was just people to at least know who you are. Um, you know, who is carrying on his legacy? Who wants to make sure that the work is done? I encourage people to Google or, or uh, go online, the georgefloydfoundation.com. Look at the programs. Uh, in youth services, in social justice and advocacy, in workforce development. Uh, there are so, so much uh, that I know that you guys are working on, have been working on. In fact, over seven, seven different, you know, program events uh, you guys did just, you know, just this year alone. So even despite going through everything you've been going through, still been doing the work. And I know you have so much more that you want to do uh, in workforce development, particularly when we start talking about young men. And uh, men who uh, may not want to go to college, you know, and have different options like George, you know, driving trucks or blue collar jobs or and still giving people access to scholarships and colleges and so forth. In fact, one of the first things that you guys did was uh, partner with the Eddie Robinson, Eddie Robinson. Yes. Eddie Robinson Foundation uh, to get a scholarship. That was the first thing that you guys did. And that's the type of stuff, even though we had it in the media, that's the type of stuff that people don't see. You know, that's not the story that you hear back to back to back. You know, they love talking about George's background. We'll talk about what what you're doing now in his name. You know, let's talk about the scholarship. Let's talk about you partnering with 100 black men, you know, to assist young young people. Let's talk about, you know, all of the things with working with the Urban League and so forth of actually trying to do something positive. So I wanted to use my platform, you know, as an opportunity to do that because I don't expect mainstream media to do it. It's not their job. You know, it's 
It's all about the sensationalism. Let's talk about now. But I want to make sure that we always use at least my platform, my my space, you know, as an opportunity to move forward. You have an event coming up. I know that you're working on uh, in Houston uh, for uh, celebrating his one year life. Is that correct? Are those details available to share or will they be able to go to the website to find out moving closer to? Would that be or would that be open to the public? Surreal? We are working on finalizing some things, but uh, May the 29th is the date we're looking at doing this celebration. We're really excited about it. I think uh, having this this uh, victory, if you will, just gives gives it even more cause for celebration because we'll be moving, looking at the anniversary, and then we'll be able to, you know, bring in the, on the fact that energy from uh, Derek Chauvin being convicted as well. And then after that, uh, I know you have an aggressive agenda this year uh, with things you want to do in the program. In addition to why you, why both of you ladies still work, just so people know you guys work full-time jobs and do this and have kids. It's just so much. I am so honored uh, to have be able to have an opportunity to meet you guys, work with you guys, learn from you guys, love on you guys. And I'm so grateful that you have, um, you know, spent this time with me and not again, not just for this interview, but for the last year, almost daily or every other day. Are we? I mean, just constant interaction. And I have learned so much. And you've made me a stronger and better woman and advocate. Um, and I hope, you know, we can continue to keep growing and loving on each other. So I want to thank you for coming by again, everybody. Please make sure you check out GeorgeFloydFoundation.com. They will be back as we continue this conversation because once the cameras go away, once the hype goes down, the work must continue. And that is usually when the family needs the most support. You go on to the next case, you go on to the next issue, you go on to the next thing. But the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. When Reverend Al Sharpton met Sarita, he called her (laughs) boss lady, general, right out the gate, because she brings that type of energy, that spirit of true leadership. And I have learned from her. I consider myself a leader, but real leaders always learn. Real leaders are always open to grow, get better. How can I do this better? How can I say things better? How can I walk in a better spirit? How can I be the person that I need to be in order to make this movement count? And so I have learned that from these ladies in particular. I've worked with the family, but I've had an opportunity to work one-on-one with these two women and they have truly blessed my life. So thank you again, Sarita Tate and Tara Brown, the co-founders of the George Floyd Foundation. You can visit at www.thegeorgefloydfoundation.com. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five-star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Tesla Figaro, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, the one and only Marcy DePina, our mix master. Dwayne Crawford and our executive producer Charlemagne the God. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. 
Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.